Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host Rashad Richie. good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. In the bullpen, special bullpen, we have actress, comedian Monique and her husband and manager, Sydney, to talk about what's been happening in Hollywood and also CBS. According to them, CBS owes them and a whole lot of folk, a whole lot of money. All right. Top story of the day, Matt Gates being exposed by his colleagues because he likes to talk about his sexual exploits. We've talked about this before when it first came up. Somehow the DOJ, well, they brushed the investigation aside. I want to bring you direct commentary from one congressperson. Here it is. You gotta think about this guy. Um, this is a guy that didn't have, that the media didn't give a time of day to after he was accused of sleeping with an underage girl. And there's a reason why no one in the conference came and defended him because we had all seen the videos he was showing on the house floor that all of us had walked away of the girls that he had slept with. He'd brag about how he would crush ED medicine and, and, and chase it with, um, with an energy drink so he could go all night. This is obviously before you got married. And so when that accusation came out, no one defended him and then no one on the media would give him a time of the day. All of a sudden he found fame because he opposed the Speaker of the House back in November. And he's always stayed there and he's not, he was never going to leave until he got this last moment of fame by saying, by, by going after a motion to vacate. It's important to know Congressman Gates has never been charged with any sex trafficking crime. And he gave this statement to CNN in response. I don't think Mark Wayne Mullen and I have said 20 words to each other on the House floor. This is a lie from someone who doesn't know me and who's coping with the death of the political career of his friend, Kevin. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Yeah, all right, so um, the senator is the designated attack dog. Believe me, this is coordinated, orchestrated. Does Matt Gates deserve it? Of course he does, of course he does. But the reality is all of these members of our elected body on the conservative side, they decided to ignore this to large measure. Let me go to another rendering of this same proclamation from Mullen, here it is. It wasn't too long ago that no one would even touch him because he was being accused of, of sleeping with underage girls, which honestly, there was no colleagues that came out and defended him because quite frankly, the stuff that he would show on the floor and the stuff he would brag about on the floor before he was married, we probably thought, well, that's, that's, that's reasonable. And we would always have to walk away from him. Uh, and so this individual that you have here, I don't think what he's done is, is, is something to be expelled. But this is something that his constituents back in Florida should make a hard look at. I mean, there was many times that he would go out on, on news programs in the evening and he would tell me personally, hey, I've got to go sell my constituent catheters because all he was doing was selling himself. And evidently his constituent base is, is an older base. And that he thought that was funny. To me, that's not funny. You take your job and make it serious. Do what's right by it and serve. This isn't a this isn't an opportunity for you just to have a an opportunity to promote yourself, which that was what Matt Gates' goals was. And so now that he wasn't relevant before Speaker McCarthy, the Speaker McCarthy opposing him has made him. Um, uh, a credible candidate somehow and allowed him to get get all the attention that he was seeking beforehand. And he's going to continue to do this, even if it's the next speaker, because he has to seek that 
Yeah. That attention, I mean, remember what I said, Emma, this is retail politics. This has nothing to do with policy or principle any, uh, anymore. Well, just jumping in really quickly, uh, those accusations I know you brought up earlier, just uh, those are allegations. They were never proven. And again, that Congressman Gates has with, denied with, those. I, I will say that you're 100% right. He's denied those right. and, and it went away. But right. the other part, what I'm saying about the individual, those aren't allegations. That's firsthand that he told me that we dealt with on the floor. The first time I ever met this guy, he walked up to me and Christy Nome at the time was at the podium. He was speaker or he was elected at the time. He was a member elect. So we was going through conference and orientation. And he walked up to me as Christy Nome, now Governor Christy Nome. And she, he said, man, she's a fine. And you can put the B word in place there. And I looked at him. I said, really? Because Christy is a very close friend of mine. And he turned around and walked away. Later, I will say he came up and apologized for that, but he still shouldn't have said it. It was completely out of line. And this is the type of individual Matt Gates is. Clearly not a fan. Clearly not a fan today, but was a fan enough back then to not utter a word about any of it. And I do find it unbelievable. That Matt Gates continued to say these things around you, Senator Mullet. Um, and you were not complicit in the conversation. That's not how it works typically. Let me highlight the height of hypocrisy with Mullen. Now, naturally, I'm no fan of Matt Gates. Matt Gates was a horrible individual. Whatever methodology they use in order to get rid of him, I will agree with it. But look at the reality of the scenario. They're coming after Gates because of a political dynamic, not because of his moral character or lack thereof, not because he likely engaged in the exploitation of a minor for sexual, for sexual acts, not because of his alleged cocaine use or anything else, but because of a political decision that he made. That was obviously adverse to progress. Now, Mullen made a statement that was simply untrue. He said, none of the colleagues came to the defense of Matt Gates. Well, I do think Trump can be considered a colleague de facto. Trump came to the defense of Gates. Trump echoed support for Matt Gates. Trump seems to still like. Matt Gates. So Mullen, are you going to say anything negative about Donald Trump? Of course not. And the reason why you will not say anything adverse to Trump is because you are measuring the political wind before you speak. You know that Matt Gates is an unpopular political figure, even within the Republican Party. He remains popular in his district. All of this is a measured calculation before you go public. You see, people that have heart do not measure such things. They simply tell the truth, allow the chips to fall as they, as they may. So while you promote yourself today, sir, as some type of hero and champion, the reality is you were in the bed with Matt Gates, no pun intended. All right, we will bring you updates as to the ouster of Matt Gates. That seems to still be a talking point with Republicans. Okay, one of the most horrific stories you will ever hear. This is going to make you, this is going to make your blood boil. A bishop, according to allegations, engaged 
and sexual assault against someone he was supposed to protect over 600 times, according to the authorities, over many years, from the age of seven up until 16 or 17, he ended up getting this young child pregnant, made the young child have the baby privately inside of a closet. Put his picture back up. He then picks up the child, the child that was just birthed, and dropped the child off at a fire station. Court documents show 39-year-old Bishop Robert L. Carter, a Houston-based pastor, is now in jail for allegedly abusing a family member. Now, they say family member because there's one narrative that he was like a family member. There's another narrative saying he was a blood relative. But there is no dispute about the fact that he violated this individual and impregnated this individual, and that the abuse started when this child was only seven years old, according to the documents. Uh, The bishop is accused of performing heinous acts with the child and making her perform inappropriate acts on him. Bishop Carter is also accused of trying to bribe the child with candy for these inappropriate acts, which she says she refused. The court documents allege Carter would force himself on the young girl while other family members were sleeping. The abuse went on for years, according to the documents. The victim estimates she was abused by Carter hundreds of times, becoming an almost daily occurrence. The victim said when she turned 12, Carter started to physically, physically violate her. She told investigators that Carter would stop at an HEB store on the way to school, sexual assault her in the back of the parking lot. Investigators said in the court documents that the victim told them Carter would take her to a church he worked at in Sunnyside to physically sexually assault her there at the church. When she turned 16, She reportedly had the bishop's baby. She told investigators he dropped the newborn off at a nearby fire station. Uh, Put his picture up again. He is currently being held on a $100,000 bond in Harris County Jail. I want to keep his picture up. You see, this is, that's the devil. That is evil personified. That is a monster you're looking at. He decided to live a lifestyle adverse to the very thing he proclaimed to be a protector. He engaged according to the allegations and according to the evidence. He engaged in extreme criminal sexual assault against a baby and continued that assault. She is now 20 years of age. She's now 20. 
Um, her identity obviously is being withheld because she is a victim. Her dad went on um, local news, his face and identity was withheld because it would have exposed who she was by connection to him. Uh, according to the father, he did not know this was happening. Nobody in the family saw this happening according to them. Uh, there has already been significant psychological trauma based on the reporting of this story. I just want to say that this is the reason we have to be so very careful about who we trust our children around. Just remember, people who are monsters may not come in the packaging you think. Sometimes individuals like this will clothe themselves. Um, they would disguise themselves so that they have access to your child, to my child. I want you to think about this story and does it, will it create you distrusting someone you may should have trusted? Possibly, possibly. It may cause you to say no. To your child when there's an opportunity for a sleepover. And your child may say, well, that's quite unfair, possibly so. We live in a different world. I will bring you updates as this case develops. Very sad thing. All right, here's a story out of Alabama. Now, according to reports, it looks as if the police ambushed somebody rather than what they put in the report. I'm going to go to the first video. Here it is. This video caught on a neighbor's doorbell camera captures the moment the Perkins family says police fatally shot 39-year-old Steve Perkins. Police, get on the back. The warning appearing to come immediately before police open fire, killing the husband and father. There's one male down. I got to need an ambulance out. Authorities have yet to verify the video shared by the family's attorney to NBC News. The deadly confrontation around 2 a.m. September 29th stemmed from a tow truck driver trying to repossess Perkins' truck. Police say the driver arrived earlier but left when Perkins flashed a gun, then came back hours later, accompanied by Decatur police. They started firing when they, before they even got the full first command out of their mouth. The department states Perkins brandished the weapon towards an officer, causing the officer to fire. Perkins' older brother, Nicholas, in heartbroken disbelief. When you watch that video, what do you see? I see a murder. Cold-blooded murder. Questions over Perkins' death prompted week-long protests and calls for transparency. After his family's attorney says Perkins had no idea it was police in his front yard. It doesn't matter uh, whether he had a weapon or not. Uh, he never was given an opportunity to comply, and if he had a weapon, he had it. He was well within his rights uh, to to carry a firearm. The city's placed one officer on leave and has not released police body camera video from the incident. Alabama's law enforcement agency is now leading a third party investigation. And what hurts most is is we don't have any answers. No answers. Police department not even willing to verify the authenticity of the video released by the attorney. Let's put up the picture. Full mass. You're looking at Steve Perkins. He was 39 years of age, an Alabama man who worked for Pet 
food manufacturer, J.M. Smucker, was married, had two children, ages 14 and 7. The man had no previous interactions with police aside from a DUI well over a decade ago. The spokesman for the family said, and I quote, from the immediate footage that we're seeing, it looked like an ambush of him not even knowing who was in the yard. The family spokesperson, Brenton Lipscomb, told NBC News on Monday. They were in uniform, but it's a very dark neighborhood. No police cars were in front of the house. They were parked down the street, hiding in the neighbor's yard, hiding around the house. Um, And I want to give you the imagery of this. When you look at the full video and look at the neighbor's um, ring video doorbell, you will see that the officers turn off their lights, which would have identified their police squad cars. They turn them off. They ride past his home. And they take positions behind objects to hide themselves so that anyone in the home or the target home would not be aware that they came or were outside. And as one person said, clearly, they started shooting before the command was even finished. Um, Let me give you details of the uh, repossession. Because according to the police, this this is what started the whole thing. So Perkins had fallen behind on payments for the truck, but it had not been put into repossession status, the family said. Earlier that night, a repo man had tried taking Perkins' truck, but was turned back. He made a second trip to the house, but this time with police, the family said. A representative of the towing company, for the towing company, that attempted to repossess could not be immediately reached for comment on Monday. Now, that is a question. If his his vehicle was up for repossession and the police had to be called, obviously, there's a clear record of a repossession order. It is a writ. You have a repossession order. Where's it at? Clearly, those are easily identifiable. It's a clear document. Where is it? And I cannot talk about the story without highlighting the reality that the cause and effect relationship here comes back down to money, comes down to a financial dynamic, according to the narrative. Uh, Let's put them up full mass. You're looking at Todd Pinion. He's the chief of police for Decatur Alabama Police Department, the buck stops with him, okay? Once again, his department has not authenticated the video that's currently out here. Representatives of the Decatur Police Department and the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency could not be reached. But they vowed to carry out a very thorough and methodical investigation. The agency said of its ongoing probe, this was a comment made Monday to confirm the legitimacy of the footage that we currently have. So this individual, obviously, um, he's not doing a press conference. He's not going to say, hey, we're going to make sure justice is served here. What we saw was not what's in the police report. What they're doing is literally not releasing any of the body cam footage. They're literally not giving us details of what was in the police report. Because see, 
If everything was on the up and up, everything you just saw in that video would be reflected in the police report. In other words, the officers would say, we turned off our lights. We decided to go to another house rather than that one. We hid behind trees and trucks. Hmm? That would be in the police report if everything was done kosher. All right, we'll bring you updates as they come. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. All right. American Needs Reboot says this guy's just providing the GOP's lack, proving, excuse me, the GOP's lack of morals. If they had an ounce of morality, they would have shunned him when it happened. That's right. That's the point. Uh, anomaly me. Good afternoon, all. I pray that everyone's having a fantastic day thus far. More importantly, I pray for a Karen double dose. Not quite, but close though, all right? It's just as good, I promise you, maybe even better, all right? And yep, sunglasses, Tony. Anyone that hides behind the face or the facade of religion, there's no hell harsh enough for them and their own belief. That is correct. Um, You are more accurate than what most would understand, but I think you do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell you there's an African-American man threatening my life. On video, people that complain that they have made noise all day. The one little war. that, right? So he says, stop attacking me. There was no attack on him, obviously. He's the aggressor. He's trying to create a scene, a situation. He's trying to take away a person's dignity. This is a male female care and I got more video actually. And in this you will see continued aggression. You see them treat another human being, actually two human beings, as if they don't deserve to exist. There's more, here it is. 
No digan nada. Deja lo que él haga lo que le dé la gana. Leo, no hagas nada, no digas nada porque me, te va a meter preso aquí. Déjalo que... Así los demandamos. Déjalo, Leo. No hagas nada, te lo pido de favor. Quédate tranquilo y los demandamos. ¿Es esto lo que haces cuando estás en el trabajo? Naturally, these individuals um, did not pose any questions nicely. The entire approach is well, rude, racist, bigoted, and there's more. Here it is. Let her talk. You cross the border, you're not supposed to be You're going to keep doing noise all day and you don't give a You told me a second ago, you're not here legally. Oh, you need help? These people are roughing. Oh, maybe you should call the police. Maybe you should call the so police if I'm roughing. He's he's not here. No, he's not, he said he's not here legally, so we should call the police. He called the police, he'll be at the... Oh, oh, strike a post, strike a post, strike a post. He said, he said, he said he is not here legally. He said he is not here legally. I'll stay right here. Yeah. Don't touch my truck, please. I, don't touch, my I don't touch my truck. Yeah. Hey, here, they throw here. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, I got two people here. Arrest me, please. I need help. And um, yeah. Um, forty-nine. Hold on. My partner. Let me deal with this directly. Let's put up the picture for mass. Somebody knows this male-female duo. Somebody is aware of who they are. Uh, they engaged in bigoted behavior. The individuals who were simply working, they did not deserve any of this treatment at all. I don't know if they find it ironic, but maybe someone who knows who they are, you may want to tell them, because I'm sure they believe they are upstanding Christians, the probably members of the local First Baptist Church in their community. I'm sure they voted for Donald Trump. You may want to remind them that there are no illegal human beings. That if Jesus were here today in America, you would have to deport him. Because he's not from here. And the reality is, what makes you believe that they owe you an answer? And then if you do not get one, you get to physically harass them. That part. All right, Sharon, 
extreme. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know about this uh, Karenicity couple, right? They're, they're Karens in love. Uh, but here's what I do know that sometimes when you drink all night, this is what you do. And you sleep all day. You have a problem with people making noise here in the city of Atlanta, Dr. Ritchie. You can at seven o'clock in the morning start making noise. That's what the ordinance says. Yeah. Construction, lawn, whatever you want to do, beat your chest. And I do hope someone IDs them. So the big box store that at least one of them probably works for, the one with the smiley faces <laughs> to alert you to deals, will fire them. That's yeah. what I hope. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a hell of a thing. They literally took their morning to harass someone when they could have been trying to at least relax, but they did not. Tell the story, an African teacher was assaulted by the HR manager in China, according to her. She has the details, here it is. Hello, my name is Nolu I'm from South Africa. I'm currently based in Shanghai, China, and I work as a kindergarten teacher. On Wednesday, August 23rd, during a disagreement, the HR manager at my job, a guy, punched me on my face. After he punched me and I was screaming, trying to get him, trying to get out of his office, he pushed me down on the couch, telling me that I needed to sit down. I screamed and I was trying to get my phone so I can take pictures and videos of what was happening. Instead, he grabbed my phone and said he didn't have my phone anymore. I don't know how I got out of the office, but somehow I got out. And I was running in the passage of this kindergarten trying to get help. There were various women there. All of them just watched and did nothing. I managed to run to the stairs, but by the time I got to the stairs, he was already there. And he was preventing me from going past him. I was screaming, but he was pulling me, preventing me from leaving. I don't know what came to my head, but I thought about a different exit. And I ran towards the different exit, but he was chasing me. And during the time that he was chasing me, he was singing a song, humming a song, as though to distract me in case so that I can fall and he can catch me. I managed to get out of the building, and there was another lady outside the building shouting for the for the security's officers to close the gate so I wouldn't get out. But what happened is the security officer made a mistake. Instead of closing the gate, he opened the gate. And then I ran, managing to get out. By the time I got out, I had no shoes on, no socks on. They had taken my phone. I had no bag on. It was just me and nothing on my hands. Let's put a picture up. I cannot imagine the horror she was going through, keep her picture up. Her name is No Lucindo Helico. She teaches English. She was allegedly assaulted by the human resource manager at a kindergarten school in Shanghai, China, where she worked with a swollen black eye on Thursday. She uploaded a video on YouTube for the world to see. My worst year abroad, detailing her harrowing ordeal after a disagreement with a preschool manager. This remarkable educator went on to speak on why she chose not to stay 
silent. Here it is. I'm making this video because there are so many of us out here who are suffering under the hands of our employers who continue to disobey the law and treat us very poorly. But I'm not okay with just keeping quiet and pretending that this is okay and there's nothing happened. And I hope if you're seeing this video, you pass it to as many people as possible so that people know that this happened to me. This video has caused significant concern from South African embassies, etc. Um, South Africa's Department of International Relations and Cooperation is now said to question officials at the South African Embassy in China. A spokesperson advised South Africans abroad saying, quote, if South Africans in another country suffer abuse or subject, subjected to harm, they should report the matter to the police in that country and inform the embassy, okay? According to the educator, the school teacher, she did. She did both, was still left feeling powerless in the situation. Um, as of the latest report, she is safe right now in Germany, okay? She's safe in Germany, according to the latest report. Now, there's an economic connection now between China and many nations on the continent of Africa. Um, as some of this, has fragmented some of the more, let's just say, diplomatic advocacy a person would normally receive in a situation like this. That is my opinion. Um, to the school teacher, thank you so much for having a heart to advocate. And sometimes for advocates, it's difficult to publicly advocate for yourself. Thank you for having the strength to do so and for exposing this so that we can at least provide transparency and hopefully a level of accountability. We will follow this story. I'm also providing an opportunity for you to come to Indisputable. Talk with us direct. The production team can make it work. Contact us if you can. We will put the information up on this segment. All right, Sharon, what a story. Incredible story. This is a a black queen, a yeah. brave queen, and I think she's lucky to be alive based on the account she gave: kidnapping, assault, pursuit, and I can't imagine that this is a one-off. Right, Dr. Ritchie. Much more has to be known. I do hope you get the opportunity to download with her. Yeah. All right. Um, offer stands. Um, my prayers and positive energy remains with. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. What if I told you a cop, a police officer, has been busted for preying on minor? Put up his picture full of mass. We're talking about Arkansas. Former Arkansas cop has been busted. Roy E. Mitchell. A former police officer is now facing two felony charges for second degree assault. And the alleged victims in both cases are, in fact, minors. Officer Mitchell was fired from the force, arrested, and charged last Thursday. He has been under investigation and on administrative leave since September 22nd after called to the state police. Crimes Against Children Division Hotline. 
According to the court documents, this cop is accused of engaging in sexual contact with a minor described in the record as someone younger than 14. On or between January 1 and September 21st, 2023. The other charges stems from an instance in 2017 in which Officer Mitchell is described as being the minor's guardian. The court document said the alleged sexual contact occurred on or before the 16th of February, 2017, and then the 15th, 2018. The full relationship between the cop and the minor in 2017 is described as, quote, the minor's guardian, an employee in the minor's school district, a temporary caretaker, and a person in a position of trust or authority over the minor. End quote. In the court document, Mitchell's LinkedIn page says he worked as a school resource officer from August of 2017 to October of 2019. Mitchell's charges are both Class B felonies. He's being held at the Washington County Detention Center with a bond of $25,000. A hearing is scheduled for October 18th. Uh, now, obviously, um, these allegations are sick. These allegations are extreme. The individual who is front and center in this investigation and now arrest, if he did it, he is going to face justice, hopefully, right? This is corruption. And as I've said before, corruption never travels alone. You never have one area of corruption and there's not another. Likely, this person has other victims, in my opinion. And likely, he engaged in other corrupt activity outside of even the corrupt activity we know about. Rarely will a police agency open up the file on a cop like this and say, you know, this individual is holistically dishonest. This person is obviously not trustworthy and engaged in significant criminal activity while being a cop for us. We need to now look at every case that he's on, every police report he signed, every affidavit he swore and affirmed to. They don't do that because the system itself would have to engage in self-correction. They would prefer to just say, "Oh, he's a bad guy, he's the problem, nothing more. But the reality is, they allowed this individual to operate with them under their authority. You got to remember, he's working with detectives. He's working with investigators for years, and nobody knows this individual has no morals. I find that hard to believe. I think somebody was aware that he lacked morality, ethical code, had none. But see, as long as they assumed it was just because he was a police officer, as long as they assumed it's because he violates the rights of citizens whom they don't like. They don't really care if the person has zero morality in them. We will follow this case as it develops. Share your thoughts here. I'm disgusted in your right. There has to be more victims, Dr. Ritchie, and there has to be a protection ring. That's yeah. what we found here. Okay. He you rob a bank because that's where the money is. You work at a school because yeah. that's what you're 
you're into. Much more has to be uncovered here. Yeah, we obviously it's the beginning of his legal proceedings, but we will bring you the update as it gets closer to the court date. All right, very sad situation. A teen has to wear headphones to school because of the extreme racism being launched at her by those at the institution. Put up the picture for a man. A suburban St. Louis school is being called out by the family of a girl who has had to endure racist verbal assault to the point of using headphones in school, having to wear them, having to wear them on the bus also to drown out the racism. The school, according to Lesh Moore, the mother of the girl, has taken no tangible action to remedy the issues and protect her daughter. Quote, my job as a parent is to protect my kids, Ms. Moore said, adding, it's nerve wrenching. It is heartbreaking. It's disturbing and I'm tired of it, according to KMOV. The student's aunt, Tamara King, said her niece was called the N-word several times a week. Quote, my niece gets on the bus and she hears the words, I hate N-words, King said. Her very first day riding the school bus, the first thing she hears is, oh my God, here comes another colored person, end quote. Do you know how hard that was for her? The sisters, Moore and King, believe the district had an obligation to protect the student and has failed to do so. According to them, officials have not communicated with them about the repeated incidents of racism targeting the child. And to their knowledge, none of the perpetrators have been expelled from the school, which is roughly 85% white. There was a young lady at homecoming who was called the N-word and left called the N-word left and right at the high school, King remarked, asserting that their relative's trauma is not a standalone. As a result, on Monday, October 2nd, they sent a letter to the board and other administrators to address their concerns, all right? Let's put it up. So the Wentzville School District has now released a statement saying they are committed to diversity. And insisting they are committed to fostering an environment free from harassment and discrimination. They have not indicated any action towards solving the issue, but state they quote, welcome both parents and students to report instances of civil rights violations. This is unsurprising given the district's history with racism and bigotry, particularly on their own board. In 2020, a petition was launched to remove a WSD school board member or racist comments she made on social media. Her comments were called out by a student in the school newspaper. You're looking at it. Now, what did she say? What did, did the school board member decide to write? Sandy Garber, really? Black Lives Matter, question mark. The real truth is that black lives only matter if a white person texts the wife of someone who is black. Black on black doesn't count. 
That doesn't fit the narrative of the left-wing Looney Tunes. Everything that is going on and our beloved, end quote. I know that sounds fragmented and obviously bigoted and racist, but that's what the person wrote. That person provides leadership for the educational system. Similarly, as they responded to Maureen King, the district released a statement expressing its commitment to diversity. The petition to have that person removed, Garber removed, was signed by over 11,000 people in that local community. However, she was not removed. She was allowed to remain on the board until her term ended in 2022 and did not run in 2023 to defend her seat. Incidentally, that school board member released a manifesto of sorts in response, detailing her aims and beliefs as a board member. Among her many points, she states that she wants no critical race theory, training for staff, nor similar programs for students. She also expressed her support of book banning, specifically referencing her dismay when a motion passed to reverse her book ban for minor children as she lost the votes. Ironically, one of her points is also accountability for everyone in the district. After griping about being falsely accused of being racist by the president of the teachers union, she goes on to link PragerU videos as a reference to the real history of slavery and how to end systematic racism. To reiterate, she was not removed and she stayed for the duration of her entire term even with all of that rhetoric. So there is a cultural issue in this school district. It is not a one-off. It is not just this one student. It never happens by way of one person. This is a culture dynamic. It doesn't matter what the rules say. What matters is what the culture dictates. And the culture has dictated. They are willing to protect racist individuals in their local community. And until I see evidence otherwise, my statement stands. This child deserves to be protected. This is a child. And when you do not protect the child, you then give, you give encouragement to the behavior of those children who are adversarial to her and acting out racism inside of that school system because that's what they learned from their parents. At some point, the behavior has to be correct. All right, sharing thoughts here. Yeah, you, your statement does need to stand. You know, I was in St. Louis for a short time. I, I was treated well there, but I was uh, wide-eyed and amazed. Uh, it was during the era of Michael Brown. And I wondered how it could pop off that way, Dr. Ritchie, in this area. But people don't realize East St. Louis had race riots. St. Louis never did. And I had not seen such a, a supported uh, infrastructure, if you will, for systemic racism as I did. I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. In, in St. Louis. Wow, wow. All right, um, obviously we will bring you updates as they develop. Okay, um, this is one of those what the hell moments. Let's go to the video of, well, um, young white students in blackface, okay? Now, here's the thing, they're protesting, okay? They are making a point here. But the point is really not a point. A video has resurfaced 
from 2012 of several white South African students, all right? Several white South African students who decided to do this. Let's put them up, full mask. They decided to wear blackface in order to proclaim their position. The video was shot in January of 2012, and the student, students in the video are part of a group called Afro Forum Youth. A group that protests minority rights was staging a demonstration at a Department of Higher Education and training to dispute the admission policies of the country's sole veterinary institute at the University of Pretoria. Members of the organization accused school officials of unjustly discriminating against and refusing entry to white students while favoring black students. So to attempt to make a point, they decided to paint their faces black to try to underscore their claim that they need black, they need to be black to be treated fairly. That's according to them. Here's how their website describes the core values. We have it here. We develop people's leadership skills, they say. We promote Africans' mother tongue education. We promote healthy student life. We oppose affirmative action. We are based on Christian values. So the organization alleged that at the time that 30 prospective students with numerous accolades and distinctions were not admitted to the school because they weren't black. Every year, 140 students are admitted to the veterinary science faculty and only 22 white matriculants from the 2011 group may be admitted. Yeah, there you have it. So this thing is actually global, blackface gone global. So this is resurfacing on social media. I bring this back to everyone because I really would like to know what those individuals think today. Do they still have the same proclamation now? Has it changed at all? Are they willing to come on indisputable and defend their current position? All right, sharing thoughts here. Well, they might, given the current policies and state of the world, including our own Supreme Court and what they've done. Maybe they would come on and actually defend it. If they wouldn't, I suspect, Doc, it's because of personal embarrassment, not necessarily change points of view. That's just my suspicion. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I give people an opportunity here. I'm an equal opportunity employer. All right. <laughs> Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Sports installment uh, today. So I hope people will check out. Always at Share and Read Live across all platforms and in the Black uh, Network. So I hope that folks will, will tune in. That just launched October 2nd, Doc. That is and it's an awesome program. I'm happy to uh, come in through the inaugural gate Thank of you. the program. So very, very proud of you, Sharon. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. All right. We got thank more. You. Appreciate oh, thank you. Thank you. We got more. Open is next. Stick a step. All right, welcome back. Still got a lot of show left. Uh, let me read some of these comments. I'm kind of pressed for time. And uh, yeah, Cena Hogaboom. These people literally have nothing better to do with their meaningless little life. Get an effing clue. 
Leave people alone, mind your own business. That's right. There you go. And for to find out, though, it does happen. Rose Rosie, my mama was a social worker. When racial things happened to me, let's just say the school was really afraid of my mother, as they should have been. That's right. That's called culture. Culture. You know, without enforcement, infraction doesn't matter. Enforcement must be there for change to happen. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Hey, my sweet babies, I'm Monique. And I'm Sydney. And we're coming to y'all today to let you know we're standing with all the unions that are striking right now. And we have a story that we must share of our own with the community. Countess Vaughn and I did a show called The Parkers. The Parkers has now been on air for 24 years. And they're trying to convince us through our ownership of the show that we made absolutely no money. And it's baffling being that when you have a conversation with the executive producers and they allude to the fact that the show in its entirety, five years, was made for under $70 million. It went out of production in 2004, but by 2009, we see profit participation statements that show the program made over $700 million, but yet was in a close to a billion, if not a billion dollar deficit. So what we're asking you, CBS, is can you please treat these two black women fairly? When our brother Dave Chappelle, who ironically had a deal with CBS, said he signed the deal out of desperation and it was a bad deal, they were able to go back and do the right thing. And they made that deal fair and they paid Dave Chappelle what he rightfully deserved. What we're asking you, CBS, don't pay us any more, but don't pay us any less. And the reason why we're having this conversation out loud for the community to hear is this. We see the numbers and they still don't want to pay. What will happen to you when you don't even know the numbers exist? So we're asking you. And when we say community, we mean community as in the ones that's fighting for equality. Will you stand with us? CBS, will you treat us fairly? We love y'all for real, my babies. I've said many times on this show that selecting certain people to do fairly while not doing fairly to others means you simply lack principle. We need a principled approach for fairness to be equitable. Everybody on the program, I have none other than award-winning actress and comedian Monique and husband, executive producer, manager, president of Hicks Media Inc. Sydney Hicks, thank you both for being on the show. Uh, we go way back, and obviously, I advocate with you on this issue. How are you both? Wonderful. Thanks for having us, Dr. Richie. Wonderful. Always good. Always good. Let's talk about the reality of what is happening now. And Monique, I'm going to go to you first. As it stands today, can you give us an update as to the issue with CBS? And since you made that proclamation on social media, have, has anyone contacted you from there? Not as of today, no one has contacted us from there. Okay. No. All right. Um, and right now, how much money are we saying that, I know it's an estimate, how much money are we saying they probably owe based on the current estimate of what they made? Well, 
when you have a show that has made, we'll say, north of $2 billion. Wow. And Countess Vaughn and I together owns a very small percentage. We would say we're due millions Mm -hmm. of dollars, millions of dollars. Tens of millions. Yes. Okay. Sydney, all right. So explain to us, especially to me, because I don't know how the design works. I know that you said uh, you all can actually see the numbers, but the way they offset it is by claiming that there's a deficit or a debt that will offset the profit ratio. And I know a little bit about that because that's what Donald Trump did uh, on his taxes to show that he had a loss uh, by basically lying about uh, the debt incurred or the write-offs that he took. So is that a similar scenario here, Sydney? What I'll say is this specifically, uh, they can show you numbers, but the specifics as to where the numbers are going, that's not adding up and it's not visually. So you can say you made $100 and show a number of $200 in deficit. If you don't have a definition as to why there is a deficit of $200, Hmm. all you have is it's a $200 deficit. And it continues on and on and on and on. The thing that people don't understand as well, we had the privilege of speaking to Judge Joe Brown, Mm -hmm. who also had this same dynamic with CBS, who is uh, a very well uh, versed and knowledgeable attorney who had the uh, legal uh, uh, wording in his contract stated to to a T, if you will. Mm-hmm. He still didn't get his money based upon what he shared with us, which means a lot of people will say, you need to do this and you need to do that. In the words of, I believe it was Stalin, who said, it does not matter how many votes you get. What matters is who counts the votes. So it does not matter the language in your contract. What matters is who are the people surrounding that contract that will decide whether you get paid or whether someone else does not. Monique, as you continue to um, say these things publicly, um, I can go down the tapestry of things you've said publicly and you've been proven to be correct, uh, to be right. Even with this, This is coming obviously on the heels of a shift in Hollywood where Hollywood is saying um, there has to be fair practices because the individuals who are the artists behind the product, who are the catalyst behind the whole industry, they're the ones who get the least amount of respect when it comes to the economic payout. And so that shift is happening. You've been talking about this for years that it needed to happen many, many years ago. So as it stands today, what should we know about uh, the operation of how CBS contracted with you all during the very popular program? Uh, and what should they engage in today? Or what should they do to remedy the situation now? Well, when we first got started, you're going on the counsel of your attorney, of mm-hmm. your manager, your agents. So you're when they say this is a good deal, Well, you don't know who to challenge that with because you're brand new to a place called Hollywood. So in the very beginning, the deal was what it was. That's the deal I signed. I'm not complaining about the deal I signed. I'm saying 
pay us for the deal we signed up for. Because what you're told is when you do get to this place, if you have ownership of your show and your show goes into syndication, you don't have to work ever again if you don't choose to, because that's how much it generates in syndication. So that's what you're banking on. You're you're not knowing that all of these turns and twists and things are going to get thrown in. You're told, listen, if the show goes into syndication, this is the percentage you get. The show makes money. This is what you get paid. That's what you're banking on. That's the advice you've you've gone on. That's what you've been told. So to get to a place where they now want to convince us after a show has been on the air for 24 years and it actually went into syndication, Dr. Ritchie, while we were still in production. Hmm. Now, because you're green to Hollywood, no one came to me and said, the Parkers is in syndication. And it was funny because when Countess and I had a conversation, she said, you know, when Buffy the Vampire went into syndication, they gave her a car. When we went into syndication, they gave me a bracelet. I said, well, Countess, I got you beat because I didn't even know we went into syndication for them to give me anything. So it's so much information you're not given, you're not told. And that's why we have to stand up and say, listen, just pay us what we signed up for. I think that point is so important. And I want to echo that point again. I'm going to go to Sydney for my next question. Uh, You have ownership or equity into the product itself. You are giving that by way of a contractual agreement. And many times they provide that in lieu of additional salary payment. So you have an equitable contract that will live in a perpetuity unless you sign it over. You all have that ownership. So there's no request to give more money or money that doesn't exist or money that was not agreed to. You're saying, I'm an owner. I should have an equitable interest in the profit sharing. So Sydney, how do you enforce something like this contractually against a major corporation like CBS when you just told us you got a guy who was who was, you know, had a deal with CBS. He's an attorney. <laughs> he went to law school and passed the bar. Thought his contract was solid. How do you enforce um, such what what is seemingly uh, possibly a breach of contract? Well, ever so humbly, you're asking the multi, uh, multi, multi million dollar question. That is the reason why uh, not only is uh, systemic cheating and racism real. But when you get an opportunity to see what took place, as you uh, just spoke about with the strike, 57% of the Screen Actors After members are white. 65% of the Writers Guild of America, they're white. 85% of the executives are white, but yet they are still out there striking, which means that if They're doing that to individuals who happen to be white. And we speak in reference to privilege. Well, what happens to individuals that are black? So when we use the term enforcing, enforcing is an extremely powerful word that we, again, for 400 years have not quite been in a position to necessarily enforce. So the next best thing we can do is bring attention to these matters and hope that the community at large, not just the black community, but the white community, when folks say we are one, it is a trickle down effect whereby if you're experiencing 
experiencing hard times as a Caucasian person in the United States of America. It's going to trickle down to us. And if it trickles down to us, it's going to go back to you as well. So it's one of those things to answer your question. You can't enforce it in a way in which you're the midnight commandant and you're going to come in and you're going to shut it down. The only thing we can do is what we're doing right now, or you can do what typically happens in Hollywood. We are quiet. We stay uh, afraid because it's an embarrassing situation to many people to find out you're owed something, but you can't get it. You know, and I think that's a a powerful and important point that many people will stay silent because they're afraid of how they may be perceived for the next gig or the next opportunity that could come their way. And I think these executives, they play on that. They know that that's a calculation that many will make before engaging in a decision to come after such a large and powerful company. Um, Monique, you have been uh, willing to say what you authentically believe. Uh, And obviously, you have said it again. But I looked at that thread. There are a whole lot of folks saying the same thing. There seems to be a chorus of people um, who did major scale work with CBS to minor scale work with CBS who are saying this company did not do us fairly either. So there seems to be a collective uh, gathering here. Because of your proclamation, is is there some some sort of effort, perhaps, uh, to get more people on record about the treatment that this conglomerate has engaged in against others who have contracted with CBS? You know, Dr. Ritchie, people just need to speak up. Mm-hmm. And today we have the platforms where people yes. can tell their stories. You just need to speak up because what happens is oftentimes when one speak, two speak, three speak, four speak, and it just keeps going. There are times where you may speak up and you have to stand alone. And then you'll then see, okay, well, years later, now everyone is saying what you may have been saying, but it is just for people to be unafraid to speak up. You have to be, in our humble opinion, fearless in this life, because if not, it'll eat you up in a way that you're already gone. If you're fearful in your walk, you already left because now someone or something has so much control over you and so much invisible power that it will make you be silent and suffer inside. And we just say, speak up. Very well said. And for full disclosure, um, I used to work for CBS as CBS radio. I'm a political analyst for a CBS News affiliate. Uh, that would never stop me from telling the truth about CBS when CBS is wrong, period. Uh, it's really not difficult when you know what your true north is. Um, Sydney, you're in this position as um, owner of Hicks Media, manager, right? So you're, you're the person that if a, if a new contract comes or if they try to mend it in some way, uh, you would review that. You would say, okay. I'm I'm seeing you know possible light here. Are you all willing to take a meeting with CBS if a meeting is called? Absolutely. I mean, listen, there's no way that you can work things out without communication. The reason why we are saying to Bob Backish, the CEO of CBS, we would love to have a conversation with you because When you're in a position such as him, there are individuals that are going to suggest you just stay quiet. That is the evasive maneuver. 
If you notice, Tyler Perry has not come out from, uh, you would think it was Groundhog Day and it's going to be six more months of, you know, winter because he's not yet come out to say, I'm sorry to Monique. Oprah Winfrey, very similar. They do not come out. This is a an evasive technique. So they get taught that. But what we're saying is, and trying to implore upon people, there is an awakening that's transpired. And people are starting to uh, feel the need to be unencumbered by their fear. And if you have fear, the fear you should have is what's going to happen to you if you stay quiet. That's right. See, you've given them no uh, reason to change their way of being and way of doing by staying quiet. In fact, you've emboldened them. So what we're suggesting is to Bob Backish, who was a family man with daughters and a wife, think about it if your wife went out and she made a project that four years after it was over, it made a billion dollars. And that's four years after it's over in 2009. We're now in 2023. So for it to have made $2 billion is not unrealistic. So how can a project that was, you got two comedians, I mean, two, uh, you got a comedian and an actress at the end of their run together were making just above $100,000. Just above the the end numbers on that show were three point six million when it was over in its finale. So when you have that end, you have an agent who I had the opportunity of meeting when I came on board that Monique fired years ago. She said, "I gotta let you go. I love you, but you're racist. You're part of the problem." Okay. Now people be like. You're playing the race card until 14 years later, she called back and said, you know what, Monique, you were right. I was ingratiated to the system. I was mm-hmm. afraid of the system and I couldn't protect you in the way that I needed to. And because of that, I had to talk to some people. And now she's in the DEI world. Wow. But at the end of the day, if you have a person telling you that you're not protected, this is where we sit from a lack of protection. Yes. 24 years later. That implicit bias or implicit racism, I explain to my college students often, it's just as dangerous as hyperaggressive bias and hyperaggressive racism. When it's implicit, the person is unaware but engaged in the same action and likely intentionally ignorant of the reality of their current circumstance and social construct. Monique, uh, we're running out of time, but I would like you to tell those who are watching Indisputable, um, what would you like them to do? How can they be part of the effective change that's taking place right now? Just what I said, speak up and speak out when you know it is unfair. Because if you don't, what happens when it's your turn? What happens when it's your moment? that you're not being paid fairly or you're being mistreated. So when you know it's wrong, be unafraid to say it loudly, this is wrong. So if that means people say, listen, CBS, y'all got to do something because it's not just Monique and Countess Vaughn. It was Dave Chappelle. It is this one, that one, it is this one. So are we going to stand by and watch our two sisters be mistreated? Because it is generational money that we're owed. It is. 
We're older women now. So are we going to stand by and continue to support and watch and do all these things knowing that people are still being mistreated? So we're just saying to our community and the community of the people for equality, at what point do you say we must take a stand? Because when it's my turn, I would want someone to take that stand with me as well. Very well said. Very well said. Um, the universe rewards courage. Never forget that. Monique, Sidney, thank you both. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being transparent and authentic as always. Thank you, Dr. Rich. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. We go places that other news media outlets refuse to go. When there were human rights abuses happening at the Victorville prison, guards and members of the community contacted us. You, through your investigative reporting, unearthed very troubling allegations about specific forms of abuse and discrimination in the federal prison system. It really doesn't take much to be a trusted voice. All it takes is to be fearless, report on matters, be an advocate. I called it the bullpen intentionally because it's a place of preparation. We present individuals who may have an opposing view, so we debate. Sometimes we interview individuals because their stories deserve to be heard. A survivor of significant police misconduct and his attorney. We covered this story earlier and remind you of the horror of one man being shot at damn near 100 times by the police. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we want to see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Crump. I just want to thank you, man, when educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power. It makes a great difference in changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.